You're listening to Podcast PXN, PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo. Let's do this. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcast PXN, Episode 70. I am Roshan, a.k.a. Roro, and I'm joined today by Dan the Halo Man, Crindle. How are you doing today, Daniel? I'm doing so good. So good. So good, yes. We've got a lot... Well, not a lot. We not a uh, big news day today. But thank you to everyone listening uh, and watching live and on podcast services. We record every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern on YouTube and on Twitch now, so you can find us there just by searching Podcast PXN, and you shall find us on those platforms. Uh, the topic of the show today is CD Projekt Red's development issues. We've got some more reporting from Jason Schreier, or a bigger report from Jason Schreier, digging deeper into what happened there and the ups and downs that that brought to us. Um, and so we're going to be talking about that later in the show. But before we do, we start off the show with the PXN News of the Week. So let's jump right into it. And the first story today is Sony's new studio is possibly working on existing franchises. So this is coming from IGN. Matt Perslow writes, Sony's new San Diego team is working on existing franchises. So this is a new San Diego one, not to be confused with the one that works on the MLB games. This is a new San Diego um, studio. And there have been some rumors that this new um, studio that's being headed by Michael Mumbuar. I don't know how to spell, pronounce his last name, but uh, he's he's the one who developed this team. Uh, he was put in charge of this, in charge of developing this team in November of 2020, and he has since left. But on his like LinkedIn page, there has he put like a Uncharted theory video that people have been kind of using as a hint that maybe this new studio is working on a new Uncharted game. Mm-hmm. So his. It says on his uh, account, uh, his latest achievement is having built a brand new all-star AAA action adventure development from PlayStation based in San Diego and utilizing uh, proprietary engine technology. This team was assembled to expand upon existing franchises and craft all new stories for the next generation of gamers. So, Daniel, what do you think this new San Diego team is going to be working on existing franchises? There's a lot of existing franchises. Yeah. Do you think it's an un- uncharted game or do you think it is something else? Yeah. Uh, it definitely seems like a, a heavy tease uh, with him yeah. throwing that uncharted video in there. And I don't think that was by accident. I don't know. Maybe it was, but uh, it just seems too, you know, coincidental. Um, but yeah, I'd be totally down for that. Obviously the, uh, end of uncharted four definitely leaves itself open for more uncharted games. Um, and I think that would be super interesting to see like how they develop, uh, Nathan Drake's daughter, um, as well as, you know, old Nathan Drake, maybe and old Elena. And I think that would be super cool. Uh, to kind of see that happen. But uh, yeah, uh, obviously this new studio is, uh, as you said, it's in San Diego. So uh, obviously they may like team up with uh, San Diego studio uh, currently that makes MLB games in terms of like studio space. So save Sony some money there, but obviously it's a different team. So I would be super down for them to make some Uncharted. It is interesting. They say that they're working with like proprietary engine technology, which is interesting. I don't know if 
like does that mean they're making their own engine or is or is that meaning they're going to like license out like naughty dogs engine i don't i'm not sure uh, what, what do you think about that i i really don't know i i hope i hope it's not starting fresh i, I would yeah. love it to be like <laughs> taking from naughty dog if they are working on a uncharted game because I, I worry about what they would do if they if it is an Uncharted Five game, especially if they're continuing Nathan Drake's story. Yeah. I I it's it's hard for me to trust anybody else besides Naughty Dog when it comes to telling those stories. But I would love more Uncharted, just like you said. I would love to see from more of the daughter. I would love to see what kind of adventure she gets into, if any. But I would even love to see some more Nadine and Chloe adventures, like more Lost Legacy type stuff um from that franchise um and but yeah yeah go ahead maybe maybe uh i was just thinking of this like maybe um uh crap neil Druckmann. maybe neil Druckmann, the head of naughty dog maybe he kind of has like a creative oversight of the next uncharted game but san diego studio is actually developing it similar to how todd howard is overseeing the indiana jones game for machine games at bethesda but todd howard obviously doesn't work for for uh, machine games he works for bethesda game studios so maybe something similar to that type of role for for neil Druckmann uh to possibly you know make us feel a little better about someone other than yeah. naughty dog working on uncharted definitely and and fans of uncharted know how I know some people like this entry on Uncharted Golden Abyss on the PS Vita, but I know a lot of people didn't, and that was one of those Uncharted games that I don't think was developed by Correct. Naughty Dog, and, yeah, yeah. And, which did feature uh, Drake. So, which I, people, I, I yeah. thought Golden Abyss was okay. I mean, I, there it I definitely never finished didn't. It, so I don't know. He didn't. Yeah. I didn't I, it, yeah. It definitely didn't get as good of a reception as the uh, mainline games, but I don't know. I thought it was fun. It was kind of a cool take on it i don't know <laughs> oh yeah well I, I i hope they are working on another uncharted game that would be awesome but whatever they are working on i'm sure it'll be exciting when it does come up honestly i can't think of anything else i would want besides a new uncharted game sly cooper maybe yeah i i don't know i don't know what other existing franchises i would maybe inf- i'd want more of maybe infamous, infamous yeah. yeah that's a good one yeah, yeah. Well, whatever it is, we're excited for it. So I hope we get uh, some, well, maybe not anytime soon, but excited for when uh, that does come to fruition. But moving on to our next story, more uh, Nintendo, well, Nintendo Switch news. Uh, Some good news for the company. Nintendo Switch accounted for 87% of all consoles sold in Japan. So this is coming from IGN again, Item Bankers. With nearly 6 million units sold, Nintendo Switch consoles accounted for 87% of all console sales in Japan. So this, there's like a little breakdown in here where there were 6.85 million consoles sold in Japan and the PS4 came in second place with around 543,000 uh, and PS5 two, 255,000 or 1,000, sorry. And yeah, it's, it's crazy because those two numbers put together don't even break a million and... <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's it's insane how much steam Nintendo has just continued to pick up, and it just keeps getting it keeps getting better and better for its life cycle. Like it just each year it's out, the better it sells. It's it's crazy. But it brings me into another story that analysts and industry experts believe that we might be getting a Nintendo Switch. 
by the end of this year. Switch Pro. And Switch Pro, yes. They with uh, some people believe it might come with the new Breath of the Wild, Wild sequel. Mm. And with all this information, with how well Switch is doing, I I would love it to happen. But I feel like <laughs> Nintendo doesn't need to do it. Yeah. And I don't know what what do you think about this story, and do you think we really will see a, see a Switch Pro? Yeah. Um. As far as the console sold in Japan, that's insane. Like insane, yeah. <laughs> how they're doing that, but I guess it makes sense because ja- Japan's still like a mainly like mobile country True, yeah. that they just eat up those handheld consoles. So, um, and yeah, that's that's super crazy. But yeah, as far as the Switch Pro. I think it would make a lot of sense for Nintendo to release a Switch Pro, especially with the Breath of the Wild sequel, because if we think back, Breath of the Wild, the first Breath of the Wild, uh, garnered so much interest in the Switch that there was more people buying the game than there were people buying the console <laughs> initially. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, it, it's crazy to say, but like that was actually the case initially when the game came out, and uh, it's just mind-blowing. So with a game like Breath of the Wild or Zelda, you have this major powerhouse, and if you want to sell a uh, upgraded Switch and package it with it or whatever uh, as a bundle, that makes a lot, a lot of sense for Nintendo to do that. I'm still not 100% sure if it's going to happen, though. Like, mm-hmm. there's been a lot of conflicting reports, like some people saying, yes, we're definitely getting a Switch Pro, <laughs> and then some people saying, no, we're not getting one, and it's like... I don't know what to believe, I guess. And I still, I think we talked about this like not that long ago. I think uh, we kind of came up with the uh, consensus that we don't think it's going to be like a PlayStation uh, 4 Pro or Xbox One X. We think it's going to be more like a new Nintendo 3DS situation where it's it's just going to be a little bit better, but it's not going to be like a full step forward, uh, I guess. So I don't know. (laughs) That's kind of up in the air yeah that's where i come down on it too where i was thinking about this a little bit more uh before the show and i was like has nintendo really ever done an upgrade and they have just like you said with the new nintendo 3ds and with the ds Lite instead of the ds and the game boy advance sp from the game boy advance but like they're more known for their downgrades like where they do the 2ds's and the game boy micros and the wii minis and they do all these they put out the console and then they put down the light version switch and, light yeah yeah switch light yeah it's and i and when they do do the upgrades it's never to make it like the graphics better or the 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 flow or I, having a hard time explaining it but the performance the performance better of the games they they usually don't do that when they upgrade the console it's usually just like a like the new 3DS was like a little nub in the corner or the DS DS Lite it was just so you could the screen had a backlight so you didn't have to so you could play it in the dark it's like these little quality of light changes that sometimes you didn't need but yeah. <laughs> in the end usually made it better so the only thing i could think of i i hope they do it and they hope it does improve the the performance of the switch but in just like looking back at Nintendo's history it doesn't seem like something they they focus on really I could see them making a bigger switch for sure with <laughs> a longer battery life. Yeah. I don't know. I, actually, I hope they do it. Yeah. That's actually a good point. Like a switch XL. That could yeah. be a thing. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. That's, that's where I, I see them going with it, but I, I hope I'm wrong. I would love to get a switch that plays those third party games. Well, like I could play 
Outer Worlds on it, and it doesn't run terribly. You know, so that would be that would be great. Yeah, Outer Worlds is a little rough <laughs> yeah. on there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, moving on to our next story, Apex Legends new season and legend has been revealed, and uh, and the release date for the new season as well. So Apex Legends is getting a new season, season eight, and it starts on February twelfth. Um, oh. And they feature a new trailer also came out with the 16th legend, it says, uh, and their name is Fuse. And I don't know if you've seen the trailer for it, the uh, the I've, stories from the Outlands. I have not had a chance to see no. it yet, no. That is okay. But it is, it's, it's an interesting trailer where it kind of goes back and forth between these two characters, Fuse and Salvo. So it's mm-hmm. a... A uh, man and a woman starts off as a boy and a girl. They're friends in the beginning, and by the end, they kind of turn into enemies. But it, in the whole time, I was like, "Who's going to be the new hero?" Kind of, it was kind of a, it was a cool watch for sure. But uh, it, ended, it ended up being the the male, and I believe is as I said, his name is Fuse. And yeah, so it's going to be coming September eighth. Uh, it also might be coming to the Nintendo Switch from some reports on Twitter, where there was a. Uh, um, the I'm trying to read it here from the Nintendo Life article. It appears the game's release date for the Switch has may have been revealed ahead of schedule, with a recent Japanese trailer for the game mentioning how the version uh, would be launching the same date as Season 8. Um, so that's be awesome. I would love that. They haven't come out to say anything about it, so I'm a little bit worried. That's It's two, week, two weeks away, yeah. but they are known for their shadow drops so the game itself was a shadow drop so i wouldn't be surprised if they kind of wait last minute to announce this but if it does come on the switch that is definitely going to be a way to bring me back in so are you excited for the new season have you been playing apex at all Uh, i keep telling myself that i want to go back to it but it's like i just never i never do and of course i'll say i don't have time and i spend all this time playing master chief collection but uh yeah i'd like to go back to it um i i really enjoyed my time with apex and played it for a long time with uh with one or two friends back when it uh, first launched and many months after that. But uh, yeah, I'm very interested to see this new character and possibly jump back in when it comes out. But I, I keep saying that. So I, I can't, yeah, you know, too. I can't keep lying to myself here. Roro, so. um, <laughs> but yeah, it's cool that it's coming to switch as well. Uh, obviously it comes to a bigger audience um, by expanding to that platform as well. But I think the interesting thing again is going to be how does it perform on the switch? Um, because obviously you have stuff like Fortnite on there which is similar but also I feel like Fortnite is a little less demanding in terms of performance because they can scale it really like Fortnite has a really good scalability like it scales to the lowest of the lows to the (laughs) highest of the highs it it really has really good scaling Uh, I'm not sure how that's going to translate to Apex because it's a lot more realistic textures and uh, I guess we'll have to see what it ends up being. Um, hopefully it ends up be- at least being good for people on Switch that can't play yeah. elsewhere. Definitely, yeah. That I, that does worry me, too, what what the performance will be like, what it looks like. <laughs> even sometimes, and the, the Fortnite version on Switch is really good, but even Fortnite sometimes has its has issues sometimes, especially in handheld mode when I'm playing, and it's like, this yeah. It's pretty rough. <laughs> so I can, I can only imagine what, apex will will look like if it's not optimized correctly so that is that is definitely a something to keep in mind but i i hope it does come to the switch because again it would uh 
get me to at least dip my toes back in it for a little while. I don't know if I'll if I'll stay, but definitely would try it out again. Um, but yeah, moving on to the next story, Hitman 3 Review Roundup. It's getting some great scores. I'm reading from Nebelian, and then I'll read a little excerpt from one of the reviews. It's getting five out of fives from VG27. 24-7. Um, GameBeat, 5 out of 5. iGen gave it a 9. Uh, GameSpot gave it a 9. The the lowest score was a 3.5 from Hardcore Gamer. So it's doing really well. Um, IGN wrote uh, for their verdict that uh, rich, rewarding, and highly replayable, Hitman 3 is a superb installment of IO's... I... <laughs> IDO's... Oh, God. IDO's... IDO... Syncratic. Oh, but I think is that right? Idiosyncratic. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> we don't know what I we're doing know. here. I mean, it's. I I'm gonna. Oh, I I can't. I'm gonna skip that one. <laughs> but much love, stealth series. Um, the fundamentals haven't changed since 2016, but its collection of outstanding maps makes for a fine and uh, reliable and robust curtain closer to the current Hitman trilogy. So yeah, people are loving it. Uh, I watched a couple of streams uh, of it today of people playing, and it looks gorgeous. Like the the locations are beautiful. Like the first mission I think takes place in Dubai. Yes. Um, yeah, and there was one time where one of the players was walking up the stairs, and then the sh- the sun just came through the the windows, and I was like, this game looks amazing. Yeah. And I don't think this person was playing with even with the max settings on, so I was like, this is really cool. So I'm excited to play it when, uh, when I get the time, yes. but not yet, but I am excited to play it. Have you dived into it yet? I have not. Uh, as we talked about a little bit in the pre-show, I've been uh, running around after work yes. today, so I didn't have time to sit down and play anything yet. So uh, after the podcast, it'll be I'll be playing hitman three but uh yes i'm very excited for it and uh ryan mccaffrey had a great preview up uh i think last week uh for ign and he was talking very highly about it and he's like man this if it continues on this it could really be significantly better than two and he reviewed two and then it came out and he's like yes this is awesome that it, it is hitting on all the marks I thought it would. And uh, I think the, the highlights, as you said, is the locations. Uh, and I think we talked about this last week, actually, when they officially announced or revealed all of the locations. They're so diverse. Like, every location is completely different. And, like, all oh, the atmosphere feels completely different. Everything uh, looks so good, and I can't wait to play it. Um, one thing I do need to revise, though, I think I've said on this podcast before that so if you buy Hitman 3 that you would get the Hitman 2 and 1 levels, but that is not entirely accurate. <laughs> you have to own Hitman 1 and 2, so each game that you own, and then you can import them into 3. So if you don't own them already, unfortunately, you won't get those levels unless you purchase 1 and 2, which... I'm sure you can get those on sale at some point and maybe there's maybe down the line there will even be a bundle to include one, two and three for like $60 um, eventually, which that might be the path to go because that's a lot of content. Um, But yeah, very excited to check this out and it it does feel like a 
or so far it looks like a, a big next gen step for this franchise. So I'm excited and happy for IO Interactive as well because Square Enix basically threw them in the garbage can and said, get out of here. And they're Graham. like, okay, we're taking Hitman with us. And they've done great. So it's awesome to see. Yes, definitely. They're closing out the uh, trilogy with a bang. Everybody has been saying great things about it. So super excited for the uh, the 007 game that they've got yes. in the works so that's great i'm glad they they ended this trilogy well and moving on to hopefully something better so yeah definitely excited to give that a shot moving on to our next story naughty dog is working on a fantasy game question mark this is coming from dual shockers they're kind of reporting on Kind of rumors, definitely, but I thought it would be exciting to talk about nonetheless. Um, ever since the impact of The Last of Us 2, fans of the studio have continuously been wondering what's the next game from Naughty Dog. Whether it's a completely new IP or a continuation of the title, the, myster- the mystery that veils their next adventure is something Naughty Dog holds close to their hearts. It doesn't help to clear up matters uh, when Neil Druckmann teases on Twitter that The Last of Us 2 developer is making something very cool. So I saw that as well, yeah. that he was making something very cool and they were looking for people to hire. Obviously, that got me excited. I just assumed that they're working on factions for The Last of Us. Mm. And that's what I thought. That's what I still hope. I don't <laughs> want it. I rather, I, I would love a new game from them, but man, do I want factions back. But uh, the reason that people think that uh, they're working on a fantasy game is that one of the senior concept artists posted some beautiful artwork that is fantasy based has a uh, a woman knight uh standing sitting on a dragon there's a a lot of fantasy uh genre images here that um that seem to be part of the same set like they're not one-offs they seem to be part of a the same series so people believe that maybe they might be working on a fantasy game and that definitely has me excited (laughs) if that is true because i of course everybody knows that i i love the last of us i love uncharted i love naughty dog games in general so them making something new that is a new ip i love the last of us i'm excited to dive into something new from them and fantasy would be really cool the witcher didn't do do it for me yeah if anybody could do it (laughs) <laughs> Naughty Dog could probably do it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, what do you think? Do you think they are working on something new or is this just this dude sharing his art, which yeah. it very well might be? Uh, I would say maybe people should be a little cautious about it because there are a lot of artists out there that um, do stuff in their free time and then post to these places and it's not necessarily related to their work. Uh, for example, uh, Halo Infinite's lead, um, I almost said lead writer, uh, lead <laughs> artist, uh, actually in the early goings of Infinite's development was posting like new images to his uh, Flickr or whatever those image sites are. Uh, and people were like speculating based on that, like, oh, is Infinite going to have this and this? And he's like, no, this is just my own, you know, made up space stuff because it was space related stuff, but it wasn't related to halo at all it was just his fun you know project so i will caution people with that but also at the same time it's very plausible because i mean 
obviously last of us is very different than uncharted uh, yeah they share similarities but they're very different types of gameplay styles so uh it mm. wouldn't surprise me to see like a fantasy rpg or something like that from naughty dog um i don't know if it would interest me as much as their action adventure games like last of us and uncharted because uh, like you said, I, I'm not a huge Witcher fan. Um, I thought it was good, but I'm just not a big fantasy f- person, personally. Um, and uh, <laughs> really, the only fantasy game that's ever like really grabbed me is Skyrim. Um, and everything else is just kind of, well, we'll see. I don't know. But anything <laughs> Naughty Dog I, I'm interested in, and uh, obviously they make technical masterpieces the game will probably look stunning so we'll just we'll see what happens yeah definitely i i again hope they are working on something new but yeah a part of me hopes that that thing is <laughs> the last of us factions because yeah. i i love that mode yeah. um I'm, I'm still just after playing the last of us part two i was like i i would love to see how this combat works in multiplayer just how dynamic it is i would love to see that come back again so i really hope they are still working on that but until then <laughs> i guess we just speculate for now yeah but uh moving on to our next story pokemon is available for pre-order um and new release date has been announced hmm. so fans have been asking for it for over 20 years and finally it's happening new pokemon snap is coming exclusively to nintendo switch april 30th 2021 a new take on the 1999 Nintendo 64 original new Pokemon Snap promises to take players to areas like deserts, beaches, and jungles that are filled with Pokemon. And it's my job, our job, sorry. <laughs> so I'm saying it's like it's, it, I am the yeah. person. <laughs> Your job is to observe and snap photos of these uh, creatures in their natural habitats, filling out your Pokemon photo decks in the process. So we got a new trailer. And it's been available for pre-order for a while, apparently, but I, di- I didn't even realize that myself. But we got the new release date, so now we know that it's actually coming this year. Yeah. So the trailer was fantastic. I was in- enamored by it. I was like, wow, this is beautiful. <laughs> yeah. But um, I actually haven't even played the original, so I'm definitely excited to dive into this one. And yeah. Are you? How are your hype levels for Pokemon Snap? Did you play the original? Are you yes. even a little bit excited for this one? Yes, I did play yeah. the original and really enjoyed the original. Obviously, that came at a time where I was uh, I was younger, so I don't know. I was probably less than ten, maybe around ten. I don't know. Uh, I don't know exactly when it, it came <laughs> out, but uh, I was around that age, and it obviously catered to me more back then and kind of the more I stew on this, the, you know, the the more I'm like, all right, uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how excited I'll be. I'm excited that people are finally getting this because a lot of people (laughs) have been clamoring for this, like you said. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'll be interested in it, but I don't know that I'll get it, you know, day one or anything. I've kind of, I've kind of cooled down on it a little bit since (laughs) it was not, it was announced because I like, many other people i loved the original but i was also much younger at the time and uh yeah. it was kind of a novelty and you know taking the pictures and i don't know i'll i'll probably wait on it uh to be <laughs> honest especially at the 60 dollar price point for uh for for it so yeah i don't know at, at in 1999 i was three or two i think Okay. I think it I was, was three. Ni- yeah, so I, I definitely wasn't playing. <laughs> it was 99, so that means I was seven. 
Okay. Okay. There we go. There you go. Well, yeah. I I I hope to play it someday. The original. There's there's ways I can play it now that I will not save because I don't want to get arrested by oh, Nintendo. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, moving on to our next story. Bungie Halo stats are going offline. Bungie's archive of old Halo stats, screenshots, and more are going offline next month. So it's our last chance to grab those screenshots um, because Bungie has announced that it will close its Halo archive in February, which means player stats, screenshots, and files from the developers' Halo games will be gone forever. Um, Players have now... until February 9th to save their stats and files should they wish. Bungie notes that this only applies to player data. Uh, news articles, forms, and groups from the Halo era were imported into the current Bungie.net website in 2013, so we, so will, and so will remain online. So just the stats and the screenshots, as they said. Um, yeah, end of a, end of an era there. Yes. <laughs> Sad to, to see that go, but I get, they gave fans a lot of time to grab those if they so desire. So that's awesome. That just didn't vanish one day, yeah. but yeah. How are you feeling as the, the halo man himself? How, how does yeah. this make you feel? It's definitely, uh, it's sad just because like I spent so much time in, uh, all of their games back then, uh, halo two, halo three, halo reach, all of those games, I absolutely loved and played so many hours of them all. Uh, I just looked it up real quick. Uh, I played 6,534 oh matches of Halo 2 matchmaking. That's not even including wow. custom games. <laughs> so, uh, and custom games was like such a huge deal back then because literally I, I remember like you would play through matchmaking and then at the end of matchmaking people in the lobby obviously you had voice chat and people were like hey let's do a custom game and you would get a group of people from matchmaking to play custom games like zombies and tower of power and all these cool things and it's just it, it brought so many great memories i absolutely love that era of uh, bungie and uh it is a sad thing that these stats are going to kind of go away so to speak um, three, three, four, three did do a little bit in regards to this on their side of things. Um, they didn't transfer these stats, but they took over, uh, Halo reaches stats, uh, I believe in 2013 ish. And so they have stats from that moving forward, but unfortunately all of this data they don't have. However, I did, uh, I followed Brian Gerard, who's the community manager for 343 on Twitter, and he did respond to someone who was asking like what the possibility would be for them to uh, ask Bungie for the data and import that in somewhere on 343's site. And he said, actually, that's not something that they had talked about before, that uh, they he would go around and ask questions and see if that was possible. So uh, that I thought that was kind of cool that maybe they'd find a way to kind of salvage this data and uh, just have, you know, historical... Because this is such a, you know... I don't know. It's so nostalgic for me because I was living it like every day coming home from school and playing this and everyone was playing Halo 2 back then. It was you look at your friends list. It was all Halo 2. So, um, yeah, it's very, very, very sad. But also it has to happen at some point because Bungie doesn't make Halo anymore. So it has to (laughs) happen. Um, Yeah. and, And yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, Lana Vines said, hey, hi, Daniel, in the chat. Thank you, <laughs> Lana Vines. You are the best. Appreciate it. 
Um, but yeah, I was just going to say, speaking of Bungie and what they're doing now with, with Destiny, while you were speaking about Halo and all the stats that you have, and hopefully they preserve it, I was looking up my stats for, for Destiny because that's that's the Bungie game that I have fallen in love with and I've been playing since Destiny 1. And it's not as crazy as I thought. I, I think I'm at 630 hours on PS4 and 27 hours on PS4 as well. So I'm not sure why they're separate. And 430 on, or 320 on Steam. So that's like over a thousand hours in Destiny. Wow. And I, and before, <laughs> and I, I know there's people out there that are, that's like, those are rookie numbers. What are you talking about? Like, especially the Twitch streamers as well. But I was just thinking, I think about it a lot, like 10 years from now, five years from now, who knows, Destiny is going to maybe not be as popular as it is and they're not going to be updating it. And it's going to be like, I can't imagine a world where I'm not playing Destiny anymore. Like, yeah. that's just such a game that has been in my life since it came out. So I guess I can imagine a life without Destiny <laughs> because I've lived a life without Destiny. But yeah. now that it's here, it's like, I can't I can't imagine not playing that anymore. So God. I definitely under, understand to an extent. But yeah, yeah it's, it's crazy to see all that stuff just gone <laughs> i don't even know what my destiny stats would be but i know destiny one i spent a ton of time in yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know how much time exactly and i probably wouldn't be able to find it if i looked it up right now because i haven't been on bungie's site in so long but if uh, you if you type wasted time yeah. on destiny there's a specific site just for that so if you type in wasted time for destiny you could type in your username and it tells you everything it's pretty great yeah. Oh, okay. I'll look that up while we move on. Uh, but yes. S. Rankin says, excellent show, boys. Thank you. You're the best. The best. Around. <laughs> no one's going to let us um, down. <laughs> moving on. Well, that's all of our PXN news of the week. Uh, I did want to just mention one little thing as we we're talking about Pokemon throughout the show. Uh, there have been some rumors that they might be making a Shino remake so the diamond and pearl games which has me super excited still very rumor based right now i don't know if you have any history with that game in particular but that's one of my favorite pokemon games so i really hope that's true <laughs> but uh yeah that's still yet to be confirmed but something that i saw roaming around as well gotcha. but, yeah moving on to what we have been playing as i mentioned a little bit destiny 2 of course <laughs> i'm playing more <laughs> destiny 2 uh the new gun, Hawkmoon, not a new gun, but a returning gun from the original game has returned. And I am doing the exotic quest for that so I can acquire it because a new quest arrived yesterday that allows you to get random rolls for the, for the, um, for the gun, which usually doesn't happen for exotics. Usually they are set rolls and that's what you get with the exotic. So this is really unique for the game and the weapon, so I'm hoping to get the weapon and then complete the quest so I can farm for a perfect Hawkmoon. So that's been something that I've been doing, and all this Pokemon talk, I've been <laughs> getting back into Pokemon in so many different ways, collecting Pokemon cards, excited for Pokemon Snap, and I have picked up Pokemon Soul Silver for the DS, because it's one that I haven't played yet, and I've heard that it is one of the best Pokemon games, and so far it's holding up really well, so I'm enjoying my time with that as well. And so, yeah, that's basically the two games I've been playing, Destiny 2 and Pokemon Soul Silver. Nice, nice. 
Uh, Ruru, I looked it up, and I can't find any uh, specific stats on Destiny 1, unfortunately, but Destiny okay. 2, I've spent 92 hours, which that's a lot less than what <laughs> I spent in Destiny 1 because my time has been, like, gotten less as time has gone on. So I think Destiny 1, I was probably close to, like, eight or 900 hours or so. But yes. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at it here too, and I'm wondering. I didn't see Destiny Destiny One stuff either. It's Destiny Two and then another Destiny Two. I think one is Steam and one is one is PlayStation. Oh, but yeah, I didn't get any get any uh, Destiny One stats either. Maybe they erased that yeah. as well. Yeah, that's so, sad. so sad. So sad. Uh, <laughs> the games I've been playing, Roro. But yes, what have you been playing, Daniel? <laughs> Black Ops Cold War. I played a little bit of that. Um, I had some people ask me to play multiplayer with them, so I played some multiplayer. Um, enjoyed my time with Uh-oh. it, but it, I okay. I think I cut out there. Sorry. Oh, oh you're good. You're good. Okay. <laughs> uh, I enjoyed my time with uh, Cold War multiplayer, but it's it's just more Call of Duty. Um, I don't think you know I need to explain that any further. Um, I haven't jumped into the campaign yet, which I still want to do that, and I also want to check out zombies because I'm a big fan of the zombies modes and. Uh, in call of duty so i'll check out those eventually um but i've also went back to and finally continued assassin's creed valhalla which man i love that game it's so good i wish i had you know i wish i've played so much more of it but i just i've barely scratched the surface i'm like i think i'm now like five or six hours in before i was like an hour and a half in so i'm slowly getting there but uh I really love that game. I think it's underrated how good the exploration in that game is, though. Like, I I legitimately think that this is the first game since Breath of the Wild to use, like, a similar style of climbing to Breath of the Wild. It doesn't have, like, a stamina or anything like that, but you can literally climb anything. You can climb mountains <laughs> and stuff. Like, it's so much fun nice. that you can never do in uh, previous Assassin's Creed games. You would always have to have, like, those specific footholds or points that you're grabbing, whereas in Valhalla, it's very, like, seamless. You're just grabbing, you know, rocks, and, and you're literally, you climb, you scale giant mountains. It's awesome. Um, so yeah, I've been having a lot of fun with that. And actually the, uh, the little dice game that's inside of Valhalla is super fun as well. Like I (laughs) literally got myself playing that. Like I replayed this guy, the AI obviously about like, I don't know, 20 times because I was just (laughs) having so much fun with that, uh, little mini game. So yeah, uh, Valhalla definitely, if I had played more Valhalla, I'd probably, uh, it would be up there in my game of the year rankings if I had actually oh, wow. played it more. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm starting to get there. Uh, obviously, Hitman coming out today is going to wreck that, but I don't know. We'll see. Nice. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, mini games and within games, in Pokemon Soul Silver, I had something similar where there's a town called Goldenrod City, and there's a casino in there, and there's a a Pokemon coin game. It's literally just called the coin game. And I spent a good hour just playing that, just not battling, just playing the coin game in Pokemon Soul Silver. So yeah, when a game has a good mini game in there and you just, you just get lost in it and forget that you're playing an di- entirely different game sometimes. Yeah. But yeah. Um, moving on to our topic of the show. 
Uh, we're going to be talking about CD Projekt Red, uh, Cyberpunk 2077, and Jason Schreier's new report on the development of the game. So as many of you may or may not know, Jason Schreier is a games journalist who works now for Bloomberg, who usually does articles like this. So when there's a troubled development, you can usually rest assured that Jason Schreier is going to find out why it was troubled. Yeah. He's going to usually do some investigating and for better or for worse, you're going to find out what happened. Um, so he did just that with Cyberpunk 2077 as Admittedly, I was hoping he would do because yeah. I definitely didn't want to know what what happened. Um, I'm still waiting on. Uh, there's a yeah. I'm still waiting on what happened with Kojima and <laughs> and uh, Konami. I'm still waiting on that story. Hopefully, he finds that out someday. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I'm sure you read the article as well. But I have some quotes here uh, just to pull from some ones that I thought were interesting. So and we also have Adam uh, Badowski, who is the head of the studio. Um, of CD Projekt Red, who read his article and had some responses that we're going to go over as well. Um, but one of the first quotes that I wanted to read was uh, Jason writes in his message, Adam, I can't pronounce his last name, so I'm going to call him Adam. In his message, Adam concedes that the company underestimated uh, the task. He said that because the game city was so packed and the disband with, uh, of the old gen consoles is what it is, it constantly challenged us. While the company extensively tested before the game's release, Adam said it did not show any of the issues players experienced. Developers who, developers who worked on the game argued otherwise, saying the company uh, that saying that many common problems, sorry, were discovered. The staff just didn't have time to fix them. So that is the first uh, quote that I wanted to talk about: that the many bugs and issues that we saw on PS4 and Xbox One that they said that they didn't see, the people who actually worked on the game are saying otherwise. So that is not good, yeah. <laughs> obviously. And uh, the only solution I have for this particular problem is to work on it more. But I understand that there's investors to impress and hmm. keep happy. So I, I understand there's two sides of this coin, but as an outsider looking in, the, the solution usually seems so simple to me. But of course, I'm not a game developer, and I don't know how, all the inner workings of, of how this stuff works. How, what do you think about this first one? Yeah, uh, so <laughs> I, as I'll explain in a little bit when we get to yeah. it, uh, I come down a little harder on Jason Schreier this time. And I'll explain why in a little bit, but in regards, yeah. <laughs> but in regards to that quote, yes, like I think that's something everyone was like, yes. How do you not see all of these bugs? Like, there's no way they didn't see all those bugs. And uh, when the when the CD Project Red people were saying, oh, the upper management were saying, uh, oh, we didn't see these bugs and they weren't reported and all this, it's like that you can't believe that. That's <laughs> yeah. like there was gigantic game breaking bugs in the console ports of the game. Like you can't, there's literally no way you could say you didn't see them. So yeah, I, I definitely, uh, I agree with Shire in that regard because it's like, yeah, duh, that's obvious. I think, um, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. I'll move on to the next one, which I think is what you were referring to yeah. with, uh, which you may come down harder on him and which I, I, 
think I agree with it. We're talking about the same part. Yeah. Um, but fans and journalists were wow. This is a, another quote from Jason Schreier. <laughs> fans yeah. and journalists were wowed by CD Projekt or Cyberpunk 27, 2077's ambition and scale. What we didn't know was the demo was almost entirely fake. CD Projekt hadn't yet finalized and coded the underlying gameplay systems, which is why so many features such as car ambushes uh, were missing from the final product. Developers said they felt like the demo was a waste of months that should have gone toward making the game. So Jason Schreier claims that one of the E3 uh, demos that were shown off was fake. Um, other developers are backing him, backing him up on this, but what I think is more important that they think is it was a waste of time to create the demo, which I think I can agree with as well. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, what do you think about this one? I think I saw you tweeting about this particular quote actually earlier this week as well. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think the major, as you as you said, uh, the major problem isn't him saying that uh, the that the demo was a waste of time because obviously the more time you put into an E three demo, uh, the less time you have actually spending on the actual game. So yes, that's detrimental. Um, so yes, I agree with that. But like you're saying, like it doesn't make sense to say that the demo was completely fake. It wasn't fake. It was something, it was a vertical slice. So E3 demos, if anyone is out there and doesn't know how this typically works, developers create a vertical slice of their game. So they cut out a section of their game and say, let's polish this and make this as good as it possibly can be and try to make it, you know, what our vision is for the actual game. Let's try to make it in this little vertical slice. And that's what an E3 demo is. And every, almost every developer that presents something at E3 or a bigger trade show or something else makes this kind of content. So it's not unique to CD Projekt Red. And for Jason Trier to say it's fake isn't really genuine in saying it's fake. It's not really fake. It's just... It's it's something that's pulled out of the game and polished in order to possibly reach what their end goal is. And it doesn't always end up that way because obviously game development is not an easy process. There's tons of different things that go on with game development. You have hundreds of people working on this game and and strict deadlines and corporate on you and stockholders and all of this. And I feel like sometimes Jason Schreier doesn't think about those things. He often just, he reports on it and that's great. He has great reporting ability, but like at the same time, you have to step back and be like, well, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. This, this is different. Um, so that's kind of my biggest problem with, uh, Jason in that regard. And it did rub me the wrong way because the day after he posted, and this is me strictly me, my opinion on this, is, you may not agree with this part, but which is fine. But like to me, the day after he posted all of the cyberpunk uh, stuff, he was promoting his book, which <laughs> mm, I don't know. Yes, it's his own Twitter account, and yes, he has a book. He wants to promote it and all that, but it just feels like the timing of it. He was trying to get views and like people's eyeballs in order to get sales of. I don't know. I, maybe that's wrong for me to say, but it just. I don't know. I don't personally feel like it feels necessarily right in that regard, mm -hmm. especially with things being reported that aren't actually completely accurate. 
Um, and like I've experienced that firsthand with Halo Infinite, with all the stuff that came out last year about Halo Infinite that people were just reporting just ridiculous things that weren't true. And I was just so tired of it. And I made that YouTube video because I was just so sick of it. And, and it just, it feels like media at this point, and I'm saying all media, in my opinion, is getting to the point where they're just looking for clicks more than they're looking for, you know, actual Definitely. thought, you know? <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's been articles where the headline is one thing and the article itself is like completely different to what the headline is saying, like kind of contradicting what the title itself is saying. It's like, here, come for this. But actually, we don't actually think that. Yeah. It's like. <laughs> It's like, what, what is going on here? So I agree in that aspect. Yeah. And um, yeah, what Jason said about it being fake, Adam, Adam Badowski also disagreed with. Of course he did because he is the, yeah. <laughs> the head over there. But I agree with what he, some, some of what he said. So I'm going to take yeah. from his uh, response here, which he showed on or posted on Twitter. So he responds to that quote that we just read. Uh, it's hard for a trade show game demo not to be a test of vision or vertical slice uh, two years before the game ships, but that doesn't mean it's fake. Compare that demo with the game. Look at the dumb. I'm not sure what that. Is. <laughs> I'm sure it's a scene from the game. Look at the dumb dumb scene or the car chase, or many other things. What the people reading your article may not know is that the game that is that. Games are not made in a linear fashion and start looking like a final product only a few months before launch. If you look at that demo now, it's different, yes, but that's what the work in progress, work in progress watermark is for. Our final game looks and plays way better than that demo <laughs> ever was. Um, he also states that, um, and if we get a bit more granular about our release, the vision, the vision was presented in the, the vision we presented in this demo evolved into something that got multiple nines out of tens and tens out of tens on PC from many renowned gaming outlets in the world. So from that response, I, <laughs> I agree with some of it. I agree with, I disagree with uh, some other parts of it as well. Mainly the focusing on the good reviews and right. obviously there were, and the demo playing better than, I mean, the game playing better than the demo I, I don't know, but I do agree with the watermark. There's so many games that you like watchdogs and yeah. so many games, Anthem, where they do the alpha in progress, still, still being working on. So when the game comes out and it doesn't look like that, they can say, well, it looked like that then, but we realized that we can't do that. Yeah. So we had to scale it back a bit. So that's something that I, I hope honestly changes at that the people making the games can be a little bit more honest with the people purchasing them, but it is something that we've come to expect and realize that what we're seeing right now isn't probably, isn't going to be what we get as much as we hope it is. Yeah. Sometimes it's just not the case. It doesn't uh, unfortunately yet work like that. So hopefully someday we will, <laughs> when we see Anthem gameplay, it'll, it'll look like that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, as of right now, not yet. But uh, any response about Adam's response, you think, that you wanted yeah, um, to dig into there? Yeah, like you said, uh, there's there's things there that you can take away from it and you can be like, yeah, that, that doesn't make sense. But then there's other parts you're like, yeah, that makes sense. Like the vertical slice, we, 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 as we talked about, that, that makes sense because that's something that happens. And, you know, you have to have – when you go to E3, you have to show something. You can't, 
you know, you can't just say, here's a CG trailer for a game that comes out in six months because people will be like, uh, what, what are we playing? And you can't necessarily show them like your current code base of like your live game necessarily. It depends on the game because you may have parts that are working and parts that aren't working. And because then you're, you're giving the consumer a message that the game is not going to look at or perform or do whatever, you know, they're intending to do. They just haven't had time to get there yet. Um, so that's kind of where the vertical slice comes from because they can piece that out and say, let's make this look as good as we can. Uh, try to get to our, our vision, what we want it to be, but it may not necessarily get there. Uh, it is a tricky thing, like you said, and I think at, at the end of the day, I think it, the truth always lies somewhere between uh, one extreme <laughs> or the other. So, like, yeah. you have Jason Schreier's reporting, you have uh, you have um, Adam's comments uh, on Twitter, and the truth is somewhere in the middle where uh, you just kind of have to read both of them and kind of decipher for yourself okay, this makes sense, this makes sense, this doesn't, I don't know. Um, it would be nice to have just more, you know, honesty and more, you know, thoughtfulness when, when it comes to this kind of stuff. But unfortunately, I don't think that's where we're at at, at this time. Uh, yeah, so. yeah. As, as, as we'll see in this next part that I'm pulling where it just seems they're caught in schematics and just, uh, semantics, sorry, and just the back and forth of trying to defend your, your reputation where he was speaking to or responding to Jason's most of the staff knew and openly said it wouldn't be ready for release in 2020. And he responds, you've talked to 20 people, some being ex-employees, only one of whom was not anonymous. I wouldn't call that most of all of the over 500 people staff openly said, uh, what you claim. I wouldn't call that most, uh, of the over 500 people staff. Okay. Yeah. Well, you're saying that you didn't interview enough people to say that that is true, basically. Yeah. Which I I don't uh, entirely agree with. I understand what he's he's saying, but yeah. whether it be 19, 20, or 15 people, if people working at your company said that, then it probably probably happened. And there's more in the article that that supports that. Yeah. And the game itself supports that. The thing that you released. It's very clear that it shouldn't have come out just just yet. But um, yeah, there's only one more quote that I wanted to share, but I don't know if you wanted to say anything about that last one. Yeah, uh, like you said, if there's 20 people, there's going to be more. Uh, yeah. You only spoke to 20 people, there's going to be <laughs> more. Um, but it is, again, it's like, it, it's, it is misleading for Schreier to say most of the staff knows. Because that's not really, he, you true. don't know that, but you can infer that, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I guess that's semantics, semantics yeah. at that point, but yeah. Yeah, which, yeah, you're right. He is, he, he didn't interview most, but yeah, yeah. he could, he could have uh, adjusted his wording a bit better. But as you also said, he, he interviewed 20 and there's going to be more and he's probably not going to waste his entire day interviewing every single employee yeah. there. So, which it seems like Adam suggests that he do to find the, the quote unquote truth. But um, moving on to the last quote uh, that I pulled, uh, this is from one of the audio programmers or former audio programmers. His last name is uh, Jaku Biak, I believe. Um, <laughs> there were times when I would crunch up to 13 hours a day. 
a little bit over uh, that was my record probably. And I would do five days a week working like that, said uh, Jack Obiek, the former audio programmer, adding that he quit the company after getting married. I have some friends who have lost their families because of these sort of shenanigans. And basically he wasn't trying to be one of those people. So he quit. He, he decided to put his family before his job and focus on that. So uh, respect to him, but also, oh my gosh, 13 hours a day for, for five days is, is crazy. I, I, I try to imagine what that is like. And I, I, I've done a 12 hour shift maybe twice in my entire retail thing and, and I have nightmares about those one-off days so I can't imagine having consecutive days like that and I understand it's a different environment and I'm sure they love what they're doing but even even then it's it, it can't be healthy to <laughs> to be doing that and and I know there's an argument they're getting paid overtime and and all that stuff but yeah I, it just doesn't seem seem right to me still that people had to work overtime, yeah. 13 hours a day for five days a week to get essentially, yeah. uh, not essentially, a video game yeah. out to uh, out to the public. And it wasn't, and still wasn't ready. So yeah. just, just pace yourself a little bit better. Management needs to do a little bit better with managing the, the creatives and the developers because they deserve it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that... <clears throat> In terms of like crunch, it's such a difficult topic yeah. because like it, it's it happens so much in the video game industry now that it's just like it's normal practice and uh, for good or bad, it's it's there. And I think the biggest thing is, is like, I think you need to reward. I don't know. It's a tricky balance. You have to reward people for, you know, wanting to put that extra time or or you know them giving themselves up for for more time to work on the game but then at the same time you don't want to alienate people who don't want to put in the all those insane hours so it's like it's such a tricky balance and like games are in a very unique situation where a lot of the the final touches of games is like the most difficult part like polishing the game is some of the most difficult parts because you're fixing bugs and and mm -hmm. all of the last minute things that come in, uh, you have to prepare for that. And yeah, it, it's very tricky how managers have to kind of uh, figure that out a little bit better to try to help avoid tr crunch uh, or as much as possible. But um, yeah, as of right now, the industry is kind of, you know, reliant on crunch in terms of, you know, we've got x amount of weeks left we have to ship this product whereas uh i feel like the movie and television industry they they have deadlines but it's not like you know it's not like they're rebuilding a character animation from scratch you know to hit a certain deadline i, I don't know it, yeah it's it's definitely a tricky situation with games because of how complex they are they they're mm -hmm. essentially movies and tv and all that and and <laughs> so many and furthermore mean. yeah yeah it's true yeah uh again i don't know how how they solve it um it is a difficult one to to tackle i i agree because like you said there's people who 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 aren't told to crunch and they they do it and they sometimes rewarded for it and sometimes sometimes they aren't but 
sometimes they are told to crunch and they don't want to and they want to keep their job and it's just such a yeah it's it is a it's a tough one to handle but i i always point to the indie games and companies that don't do it like there are smaller companies than cd project red ha- that have done it and have had successful games just like hades hades is the most recent example of of that with super uh super giant games where crunch was not a thing and they put out one of the best games last year so i can only imagine what cd project red could do if they if the management was a little bit kinder to their employees and didn't put such a strict deadline on on when these things need to to come out i mean as much as i wanted the game at the time we had waited seven years already (laughs) what's what's a little bit more um as as i I guess i can say that now because the game's out but who knows what i would what would say if they if they did actually delay it back then but yeah, it's it's definitely a a tough one, but um, and that's the last. Yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say, and maybe that's the product of like announcing a game far too soon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh. yeah. I I agree with that, and yeah, I, I was yeah. That that's that's well ended. I I, I totally agree um, with with that though. But is there anything else from the article or? Adam's responses that you wanted to touch on before we roll into our last segment. No, I, I believe that's it. All right. Well, moving on. Oh, did I, did I press? Oh, no, that was a notification. Sorry. Oh, I heard you're... something in my ears. I was like, what is oh. happening? What did I do? <laughs> um, but moving on to our final segment, what we have been working on. Daniel, I don't know if you are working on anything today, but I wanted to continue this uh, segment mm-hmm. that you introduced last week. Yeah, so, I, yeah, I haven't had a chance to uh, complete my vision, but I have something in the works. <laughs> uh, I don't know how soon it'll be, but um, yeah, you can follow me at Dan is DTM on Twitter. I always post some stupid stuff on there, like you know, <laughs> Philip Rivers retiring today as a as our quarterback for the Colts. So oh, no. looking for no. our fifth quarterback or fourth quarterback <laughs> in four years. So eh, not good, but yeah, that's right. Sports. I'm yeah. Sports. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, for me, I am working on writing something about Nintendo and kind of what we're talking about with uh, talking a release, talking about games that where are they like Bayonetta and and stuff like that. I'm talking, I'm going to be writing and talking about Nintendo Directs and if they should return to their original format where it's like 40 minutes talking much about a bunch of random stuff, or if they should continue with Nintendo Minis and more focused Directs, which I think mm-hmm. are way better and serve a better purpose than the, as much as hype as the usual directs are. I think it'll be better if they just continue with this. But uh, yeah, that's what I'm working on, Sweet. talking about Nintendo Directs. But yeah, that's that's about it right now. Um, thank you, everyone, for watching and joining us both live on Twitch and on YouTube, as well as podcast services like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher. Thank you, Daniel. And later will be greater. Much love. Thank <laughs> you.